Hello, Acres of Diamonds audience. Welcome back. This is podcast number 21 with special guest Ginger Sorensen, and I am co-founder Scott Gibbs here with co-founder DJ Lagori. And Ginger, Ginger's going to join us today and share all the charitable work she's done by marrying Jeff Sorensen. So <laughs> at a very young age, Ginger made a decision to give back to the world and marry an unmarriable man uh, by Jeff, the name of Jeff Sorensen. In case so, those of you who don't know it, Jeff Sorensen was a state soccer champ. I'll, oh, I'll save. Uh, I'll save the. Uh, uh, and Ginger, Ginger was fortunate enough to get him early, really early, <laughs> right, Jen? He'll be so happy you mentioned his state. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, just what Jeff needs: more confidence. Yes, more That's confidence. It. Got it. Never have enough. <laughs> So like, uh, like DJ, like myself, Ginger's a Hilton High School graduate and um, a very, very special dear friend. And um, Ginger, uh, after college, right, Ginger, right after college, I think, had, was in a uh, pretty severe auto accident and um, lost a dear friend, um, lost a dear friend and also uh, lost her, lost her arm. And uh, we've invited Ginger here for uh, the primary reason to remind us of, you know, what we are capable of doing if we if we have the right mindset. And um, I've never told Ginger this, uh, probably uh, without a couple of drinks of me, but I'll tell her today. She's she's always inspired me. Um, not not only for overcoming the tragedy that her and her and uh, that she went through, but watching her uh, lead her family, um, you know, her kids, her husband, her, her, her veterinary clinic that she has in her home. Um, she's always inspired me, a wonderful, wonderful, giving, charitable person, uh, kind, strong. But uh, today is, Ginge, I'd, I'd, I'd like to hear the story. I don't think I've ever asked you. So I'd like to hear the story of the accident and Kind of what you went through thinking through it and to be the person you are today. Okay, um, I guess I'll start. It's actually a pretty interesting and amazing story, sort of. I don't know if that's the right word, but thank you for that great introduction. Um, I had, it was in July after I graduated and my friend and I were, my friend Carrie and I were coming home from a concert and I was sleeping, I think. And um, she just kind of went over a, they think that she fell asleep at the wheel and maybe just went over um, kind of an exit ramp on 490. And the way that she um, went over it, no one really saw the accident. And, um, you know, it's weird. It's been a long time, almost 30 years, but I can remember exactly, you know, they say that if you have trauma, you remember it. I can remember what it sounded like. Um, I just kind of woke up and I didn't know what happened and I knew I needed to get to safety. So I knew we, we, I could hear cars and I knew I had to get down. So I basically, um, kind of walked up across the exit ramp and down the hill and I knew I had to get under a light. So I stood under like a light on 490 and I just started waving for somebody to stop. Um, and no one was stopping and I was getting really upset. And um, finally a truck driver stopped and he had never been to um, Rochester before and he stopped and he, he actually thought that um, someone had like beat me up and dropped me off on the side of the road and I didn't know what happened. 
and he just kind of opened his door of his truck and I climbed in. Um, and at this point, my arm was already missing and I was pretty in bad shape, but I didn't know. I didn't know. Um, and he started driving kind of towards the city. Um, but as he was driving, I, I kind of started feeling sort of nervous. I don't really remember why, but I knew something was wrong, but I, I couldn't really, I didn't really know what it was. And I, I didn't feel any pain that I remember. Um, so he got off 490 and pulled across the road and on Mount Reed Boulevard, I think. And by chance, the next people that stopped, he like the next people had to stop um, were ambulance workers. So they stopped and then they got an ambulance and everything and took me to the hospital. Um, so that's basically, you know, the accident. Um, once I got to the hospital, I still didn't really understand what was happening. Um, and they couldn't reattach my arm. And unfortunately, my friend passed away, died in the accident. Um, they actually thought that the truck driver maybe was the cause of the accident. So he went back with the officers to the site of where they found me to figure out what was going on. And um, I guess the police car was backing up on the, uh, the ramp and the truck driver, whose name was JD said, you know, you shouldn't back up because maybe my arm is in the road. And so the officer like kind of turned around and when he turned around, they found the car. And so then they knew that the car was there and um, Unfortunately, Carrie had already passed away. They think that she died instantly. Um, so that's basically the accident. I, they took me into surgery and when I woke up from surgery, I kind of realized what happened and I asked my mom, you know, what about Carrie? And of course, then I heard that she had passed away. So that was very traumatic for me and upsetting and so that's kind of the night of the accident. So, so many questions. Um, <laughs> I know it does. From the state, from the standpoint of when you found out Carrie had passed, I mean, what what was going through your head at that point? Um, to be honest with you, I really feel. I carry some guilt because I feel like it's part, I should have stayed awake to keep her awake, you know? And so I feel really bad about that. Um, that's really difficult. I feel really bad for her family. I was so upset that, you know, her family had to find out like that. Um, you know, she was my friend since high school, middle school, it's just, um, awful. I don't know, gut wrenching. Yeah, and I didn't, I didn't realize, um, I didn't realize it, but when we bought this house, you know, Carrie's, Carrie's mother sold us the house. Right. Uh, and we live on Carrie Marie Lane, which is named after, after right. your, your friend and Donna's, uh, Donna's mm -hmm. daughter. So, yeah, I was just, I'm just about to ask that actually. That yes. Marie Lane is named after, after her. Yeah. Yep. Wonderful, wonderful family, and uh, and actually, Faith, the 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 sister, um, Carrie Marie's sister, lives lives here as well. 
Mm-hmm. Well, Shannon used to as well, right? Oh, really? I didn't know that. Shannon lived there, and she um, she moved. She used to live near Carrie Wilson, Carrie and Lot. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right at the end there. Oh, neat. Um, so very, I would imagine that's very traumatic. I've uh, lost a couple friends that same way. Um, how did you, like, how, what was the process to then accepting, um, you know, the challenges with losing an arm? Like, how did you, was that easier or harder than in retrospect than you thought it would be? Um, I would say in the beginning, I was more, it was very upsetting about Carrie. So I didn't really think too much about losing my arm. And, um, I was in the hospital for 10 days and a lot of people came to visit me and I felt a lot like I had to make people feel like I was normal in a way. And I was okay. I wanted them to know I was the same person and you know in retrospect i feel lucky that i survived and my friend didn't and that was more traumatic losing carrie was much worse than what i had so that's kind of how i feel so in in the beginning i didn't really deal with my arm much to be honest with you i just kind of i don't want to say forgot about it but i in a way i sort of did to be honest with you yeah, because you, you were focused on something bigger bigger than yourself, really, which was, you know, that's a great point. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, right? Right. I mean, someone someone perished, and, right. and you didn't. Right. So that's kind of how I felt. And to be honest, actually, now that I remember it, um, I think that people were concerned that I wasn't really dealing with it. And um, one night, Jeff and one of my nurses, who actually is a Hilton graduate, Linda McHenry, um, came into my room and they were like, you know, you need to deal with this and you need to look at your arm and you need to, it was this whole big process of, you kind of have to grieve over it in a way, if that makes sense. So I guess that was a way of kind of forcing me to understand what it was and, and, and I guess sort of like a grieving process, if you will, because so much of it was directed at grieving for Carrie that I wasn't really grieving for that. And I guess it's important, or I should say it is important. <laughs> I, got a, I got a question for you, Ginger, regarding a little bit around perspective, um, kind of prior, before the accident, and after the accident, I can only imagine how, you know, when you woke up from, you said you were in the hospital for 10 days, um, woke up in the hospital and then kind of that first day back home um, where life had to go on. Life, right. life had to kind of, you know, um, we're all hit with, with loss at, at times, but um, is it the best to just keep moving on? And, and, you know, do you have, you obviously have a totally different perspective of who you are, of, of who your family is, or the people who were close to you during that time, um, how did it kind of shift like throughout that whole process of kind of like before the accident, during and, and after kind of? Um, so it was very weird to go home because of course everyone's sort of, you have this 
people are sort of treating you differently or, and, and so you're trying to do like your normal thing, but of course you're not normal. And, oh, I shouldn't say you're not normal, but things aren't normal. Things are, you know, it's a new normal. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a new normal. It's a new normal. So, um, you know, when I got back from the hospital, I'm sort of, I, I, I guess I realized this more after my accident, I'm an independent kind of person. And so it was frustrating for me to, um, because I was right-handed before. So I had to learn how to eat and all that stuff, which sounds ridiculous, but yeah. you kind of take that stuff for granted. And then, you know, someone says you, you have to figure out how to do this. And of course, everyone was really willing to help me. And that was great. But I was kind of like, I want to learn, like, you're not going to be there for, you know, cut my meat or to do any sort of little thing. I, I want to figure it out myself. So a lot of it was that, um, to be honest with you, I, I, as I was very worried to be by myself and I was very worried about looking at myself in the mirror. And even to the point of when I took a shower, my mother had to go in the shower with me because I was just so, um, I don't want to say shocked is the word. I was scared. Mm -hmm. I was scared of myself because it didn't look like me when I looked in the mirror. It was different. And I didn't, it was hard to kind of accept. So for a long time, my mother would come in the shower with me. Um, so I would say that was kind of in the beginning. And um, I went to some therapy and things like that. Um, some were more helpful than others. Uh, but I remember certain things that certain people said that helped me. And the best thing ever was a girl that was my age who went to Brockport and had a similar thing happen to her. And she called me up and I talked to her on the phone and I, and she said, it's going to be okay. You're going to, you know, she told me she went on dates and she, the things that she did, which were things that I wanted to do. And she said, it's, it's going to take a while, but it's going to be okay. And just hearing her talk made me feel like it was going to be okay. So that was super, super helpful. Do you remember what her name was? And then Oh my gosh, I I totally remember what her name was. Her name was Dodie. Dodie. And uh, a funny story if I can say, because it's such a small world in Rochester, I spoke to her a lot in the beginning and then I, I hadn't heard from her in 20 plus years. And I my friend moved back from Pittsburgh and she was using um, actually Faith's husband's uh, Faith Gerslin's husband's carpet cleaning business. And I said, well, that's really weird. How, how, you know, you're on the East side. How would you find about Hilton? And she, we were talking and she said, you know, it's funny. One of my roommates or one of my floor mates in college had a similar thing happen to her. And she said, I said, oh, what's your name? And she said, her name was Dodie. <laughs> and I immediately burst into tears. Mm -hmm. True story. I, I, it came from nowhere and I, she was feeling terrible. And I said, I, I don't mean to be, but I, I, I want to say how much she helped me in that short period of time. Cause I probably only talked to her a handful of times, but just hearing her name again brought me right back. And so we connect reconnected kind of on Facebook. And so I was able to say, you know, thank you so much because it really made such a huge difference to me, yep. huge difference. So Wow, that is that is magnificent because that's something that Scott and I talk a lot about um, about thanking people who might not have necessarily known 
that they did something for you. Maybe it was little, maybe it was big. And, and you never necessarily said, listen, this was so important to me in my life. It, it helped me a ton. And um, the other thing you mentioned, which also connects to something that we did um, last week was we, uh, we challenged each other and a couple other individuals in our Acres of Diamonds Challenge uh, group to brush their teeth with their opposite hand. And I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of as simple as, or as you were saying, you know, you don't think about maybe cutting food with, with two hands or, I mean, and we did basically brushing your teeth with your left hand. And I mean, I was talking to some of my roommates and they're like, I, I can't do this. <laughs> I mean, I, this is, this is way harder than it, it should be. And, and so, you know, to your point, I can't imagine the amount of um, maybe mental toughness or awareness that was needed to basically say, all right, I have to get good at this. There's no, I, I, I can't go back to, to the dominant, dominant hand, whatever it may be. So um, yeah. definitely an incredible amount of mental toughness there, I think. Well, and also I have to say all of my family um, went around with their one hand trying to do a bunch of stuff to help me figure out how to do things and to, you know, try to put themselves in my shoes, which was hilarious. Um, so, you know, of course, it's a lot of trial and error. And, uh, you know, my husband is, likes to be very funny. Um, but his humor really helped me a lot because he, you know, just, we had actually started our relationship kind of again. And uh, he just makes, makes me laugh. And so he always, he never made me feel different or weird. And he just you know, made things a joke. So it, it helped. And, and that's not to say there's you really bad days. You know, even now I have, you know, once in a while I get really annoyed. Um, but, I, you know, humor always helps and Jeff has plenty of it. So <laughs> I think, you know, that's interesting you say that. So um, I think obviously Jeff is, Jeff is brilliantly funny, right? Um, very, very uh, witty. And at the same time, he has he has an underlying compassion hidden by sarcasm and wit, yes. right? So I think probably the, a really, really good match in retrospect, like thinking through this a little bit, what you needed. Mm-hmm. You, needed you needed somebody to be funny, but that wasn't going to let you, if, if you had chosen the victim route, I don't think you would have let you. I I just like that wouldn't have been that's not in the playbook right that's no ginge you're gonna get you're gonna get it done ginger right you would have done it compassionately you would have been done it funny and you would have known he cared but he wouldn't have let you stay yeah and I I, that's exactly for me that's exactly what I needed and like I said I just it was important to me that people didn't I don't want to say they were just accepted me just like I was ginger. I wasn't a different person. It was just me. And that's exactly what Jeff did. He never skipped a beat. He was never like weird around me or afraid to say something or, you know, he was just himself, which made me feel like I would, could be myself. So, cause no matter what you look like on the outside, you're still the same person inside. So, right. you know, that was important to me. So that was super helpful to me. That's great. And I, and I can attest to DJ. I, I, I texted him when I started the left-handed toothbrushing thing and I was like, 
this is this is ridiculously impossible. I said, I got toothpaste all over my face. I got it's it's uh, I have to brush my teeth with my right hand just to make sure they're clean because <laughs> I was doing such a bad job. And, and there's many things that you can, I mean, you could put your shoe on the other foot before you, you know, maybe you put it on your right foot, typically put it on your left foot. I mean, just small little things that we can do that I think really makes us appreciate the, the little things in, in our life. I mean, you know, it's, uh, that was kind of a, a question that I kind of wanted to, to ask Ginger, you know, um, because you're involved in such a traumatic ex experience, do you appreciate the, the little values of life? or the little, the little nuances that, you know, um, I, I remember I always loved like this, the smell of like a freshly cut grass or, or something like that. Like it, it's, 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 as it was, it was something that brought a ton of value to, to me. So I was curious if there were like things in your life that you kind of, you know, the value shifted a little bit because of that event. For sure. And I, I think overall, like I said, I feel lucky to be alive and I have a very blessed life and I feel like I can't, how can I complain when I, you know, Carrie didn't get to, you know, finish her life. And so I just feel like I should live the, live the best life that I can and make the most of it. So I, I would agree with you. So I appreciate everything. What a what a great way to live. <laughs> Appreciating a lot of a lot of everything. I like that. I like the sound of that. I really do. Yeah. So what else, Ginge? What else have you have you learned about about yourself? Um and that would you know, that would be useful for for us to to know, for us to think about, for us to potentially incorporate into some of the coaching training mentoring that we do relative to going through challenges and whether it's perseverance or resilience or confidence or so I, I so a couple of things that I wrote down was I am lucky because I have a very supportive family and I have friends so you know, I guess that's just the way it had already been. But if you're, you need to surround yourself with people who will support you and help you. Um, you know, my mom, one, I did go to, you know, some therapist. And I remember one therapist, when I went there, he said, um, you know, you're not going to be able to do a lot of things now. And um, your life is going to be different. And you're going to have to accept it. That was basically his theme. And we left there and <laughs> We never went back. And my mother said, he is totally wrong. You can do things, some things you'll have to do differently, but you can do anything you want to do. And that has always stuck with me, always. Um, so I would say a big thing is to support yourself with people that are there to support you and are positive. Um, you know, another therapist, it sounds like a really easy thing, but I remember she said she was a, like a nurse who was also a therapist. And she said, the most important thing for you right now is to be physically comfortable. So you should, um, you know, wear comfortable clothes, make sure that you feel comfortable and it helps with your attitude, you know, so that was important. Um, and, you know, I just always have a lot of perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, I've seen, I've seen people that have no arms and 
they're doing amazing things. And I'm thinking, I'm so lucky I have one, you know, um, that's been very helpful. Um, I'd, I would also say that it's taken me, it took me a while to be comfortable with my appearance, which I think is different. Um, I think if something like this were to happen with, this is stereotyping, forgive me, but I think if something like this were to happen to a, a ma man, they would think more of, uh, they couldn't do things. And for, for women, it's more, well, people, you know, I'm not gonna look nice or people aren't gonna look at me as attractive because, you know, I only have one arm. So in the beginning, a lot of what I felt was uh, nervous about my appearance and I was always trying to kind of hide the fact that I only had one arm. Um, and I did wear a prosthetic for a long time. Um, and it was super uncomfortable. It was super uncomfortable, it wasn't helpful. Um, my father tried getting me to do all these fancy arms and it just didn't work. So anyway, after I ditched the prosthetic, um, I still kind of, this was even um, in my late 20s, I still kind of always wore like a t-shirt or something. And um, one day I was at the pool in my neighborhood and I saw this little girl, she was like nine years old. I hope, I'm gonna try not to cry because I'm cry I am a crier. Um, and she only had one leg. And I thought, I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought to myself, if I, if I can't be a role model for her, she, here she's nine years old. She's got to go through a difficult time, you know, puberty and all that stuff. And she's not afraid. I shouldn't be afraid. So anyway, that's kind of when I decided it's, it's going to be good. And so that was it like maybe into my thirties that, that kind of even was even more of an awakening. And now, you know, that, that I'm kind of over that. And so I would say it can be a long process with some things, but you got to take it one day at a time. <laughs> that was my long way of saying that, but. Yeah, I think, I think at the same time, Ginge, it, it, you know, it's, it, it's really interesting of, um, by the way, I love the observation about females um, probably associate it with an appearance issue and then the male would appear uh, associate it with what they can or can't do issue. I think I think that's probably directionally correct and I did I would have never thought about that until you said that um, you know the other thing you said about uh, the way you your perspective through let's say that your 20s 30s 40s um, you know there's a lot of studies that say look in our 20s we we care about what everybody thinks about us and I can't twenties and thirties. We care about what everybody thinks about us in the forties. We, we care less about what everybody thinks about us. And then our fifties and sixties, we realized nobody was even thinking about us. Right. <laughs> right. So, so I think as we, as we mature, right, we just, we just become more confident, right. And comfortable with ourselves and, and what you're going through that way is natural. Right. I love, I really love the, uh, the way you said you made a decision, you made a decision to, to get, get over yourself, so to speak. Right. Um, based on a nine-year-old girl. Yep. 
That's amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. Ginger, I got a question for you. Okay. This is this is something that Scott and I talk a lot about. Um, what is toughness? And I'm curious to to what you um, what you believe toughness is. Um, you know, I don't really know if I know the answer. I, again, I think you make a decision that you're going to try your best and you're not always going to, it's not always going to work out. Um, but you have to try. And if you have a terrible day or terrible experience, you're going to wake up the next day. And, and I told my daughter this the other day, you're going to wake up the next day. The sun's going to come out. You have to take a deep breath and you're going to go again because you, you have no choice. You know, you are in this world and a lot of people aren't. So you're in this world. You got to make the best of it. No matter what is going on, you, you've got to try to make the best, however that is. And that is how I feel. And that doesn't mean you're not going to have a good day. You know, you're not going to have all good days. Everything is not going to be peaches and cream, but to me, toughness is just sticking with it, mm -hmm. trying to stick with it, you know, and asking for help when you need it. You know, I'm very independent. Mm -hmm. I'm fine to ask for help. I like it when um, people wait until I ask them for help. Um, mm -hmm. My mother-in-law doesn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, she used to drive me crazy in the beginning because she wanted to do everything because she was trying to help me. And I would say, you know, I want to try it myself first. And if I need help, then I'll ask for help. But um, so I guess that that's what I would say toughness is, is that you have to just keep sticking with it. Yeah. It, so that's interesting. We've never heard resourcefulness um, uh, equated to toughness. I really, really like that. Um, so that's awesome. And I'm going to add one. I think um, sharing the story about the nine-year-old girl and showing vulnerability mm -hmm. through allowing yourself to cry mm -hmm. is is serious toughness. Mm -hmm. And it, it in the moment, Ginger, it feels weak, right? You apologize for it. You know, I'm sorry. I'm going to cry. Blah 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 blah. Right. Right. But if you if if we're true to who we are and why we're here on this on this call it's to serve an audience outside of ourselves and in that moment that you felt weakest dj and i and the rest of the world will see you at your strongest yes well thank you so you know that's uh it feels counterintuitive when when you're going through it but that's we need more people you know, being honest with each other. And that's what you shot. And that's what you, you, you showed us, right? So. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. Imagine if you, you didn't share that story. Imagine if you, if you didn't have that opportunity to, you know, at least get it out here. Cause now, now we have it forever. Now we have it recorded. Now we can remember this. Right. And yeah. I hope, I hope, I hope you find a way to share this with Dodie too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be great. I mean, I, um, I've tried even um, through Linda to say, you know, if some other people need me to help them along or to share my experiences, I would love to do that because I think the best thing that you can do is to, well, the first of all, the best thing you can do is to help someone else, but 
when someone else has had the same experiences, just hearing about it and seeing that they are okay and they kind of made it through, it, it makes such a difference. Um, you know, on a tangent, my mother broke her neck long time when I was in high school and she had to wear one of those halo braces and she's fine now. And anytime when I was younger, we would ever, ever see anybody with those things on their neck, the braces on their neck. My mom would run up to him and say, that happened to me. Look, look at me. Everything's going to be fine. And I, I just feel like, I don't know that that struck me. I guess that stuck with me. Cause I feel like that's so important when someone's going through someone that you, something that you can say, look at me, I'm, I, I, it, the same thing happened to me and I'm okay. And I did it. And, you know, for me, I, I feel like, look at, I have three kids. I was a teacher. It, it's, it's going to be okay. You can do it. And, and so those kinds of things help me. And so I, I love, you know, that's why I agreed to do this because, um, you know, if I can help somebody else that, that makes me feel good. So. <laughs> well, I know you helped at least two people today. We'll start with two. Start with two. So thank you very much, Ginger. DJ, do you have anything to add? I, I love the uh, kind of the, the thing she talked about with toughness um, regarding it's, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to ask somebody, hey, I don't know how to do this. I'm going to need your help to, to do this. Um, and I remember I, I've always, um, some of the best teammates I've ever had, um, or classmates even if I was in like a group setting, have said, you know, hey, this doesn't get done if, if I have your help. Um, and, you know, that always made me feel, feel really um, valued and, and loved a little bit. So, you know, I, I think it's okay to ask for help. And all it does is, is show a sign of toughness, a sign of um, awareness that, hey, listen, I don't know everything and I will not know everything. Um, but you might know something that I don't and I'm going to need your help to figure it out. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's a... Uh, you know, if we have that ability to provide value to another person and, and they're willing to accept it, I think that's an, a really good exchange that should happen more often than not. Yeah, and to, to your point, when you, when you do ask somebody for help, you put them in a position of great gratefulness because they, they want to help, right? Yeah. In, gen in general, the people closest to you are, are waiting, waiting to help. Right. In fact, like you were saying, Ginger, a lot of them will help, will overhelp, right? Will overhelp until you say, look, I need to get through this myself. Mm -hmm. I appreciate it. But then when you actually do ask them to help, they're like ready to go, right? They're, yeah. thank God, oh, I get to help now, right? Sure. You make them feel important, and um, which, is, which is important to them, right? So, yes. Well, Ginger, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You guys are great and I appreciate everything you're doing. So thank you for asking me. You're welcome. Thank you, DJ. Always a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you.